Welcome to Slot Shot Podcast, a hockey podcast brought to you by Star Six Media. I am Jack. I'm joined in by Ross, unfortunately Alex, as it is Thanksgiving and uh, the Thanksgiving break is upon us, is out of town, so he will not be with us today. But Ross and I are here to give you another great episode. Ross, how are you doing today? Doing great, Jacko. Uh, good to be here. Good to be here on a Black Friday. Uh, exciting time to be a hockey fan. Uh, U.S. Thanksgiving is always a, an important milestone in the, the NHL season. It's sort of the, you know, um, I don't want to say the one-quarter point, but almost like the one-fifth point. Um, so uh, it's great, and uh, as, as, as we'll get into, there are a lot of great matchups today uh, and a lot of great matchups tomorrow. So it's, it's going to be a great weekend of hockey. Without a doubt, um, we've got an exciting episode for you. A lot of milestones, a few streaks. Um, a retirement to the rafters, and uh, an interesting little referee, referee's corner with Ross today, um, as he's got some uh, points to pick with uh, this year's officiating. Uh, but quickly, as, uh, as the world's going through it, and as the world knows, it's a World Cup. It's <laughs> U.S. England is on the docket for today. Uh, Ross, I just I wanted to get your quick uh, thoughts on, on this year's World Cup out of Qatar. Yeah, and my, my World Cup thoughts are, are really straightforward. Who cares? Who cares? <laughs> As not, not me. You know, I know. I know most of the world does, but uh, I just I find it. Uh, it's it's a drip. It's a drip. It's like watching paint dry to me. But if you had to listen to a, a soccer podcast, it would be EAFP with our boy Eric on uh, the Star Six Media. So yeah. If you had if, to listen, if it, right? If somebody had a gun to my head, if I, if I was on my knees about to be executed, and I had to listen to a soccer podcast, hundred percent picking EAF boys, <laughs> start six. Absolutely, no love question. It. Love it. Um, you know, it, it, definitely go check it out. He's given you guys daily content on this year's World Cup. It's been exciting stuff to uh, listen to, and I'm excited to hear his breakdown of the U.S. England game here later tonight, but let's jump right into today's episode, starting off with what we uh, we saw in the Easter Conference preview, a team that we ended up pumping uh, pumping their brakes quite a bit, the New Jersey Devils. They ended up uh, tearing off a run of 13 straight. That streak ended uh, two days ago to the Toronto Maple Leafs uh, in a game that Devils fans will say uh, is the most uh, controversial game in Devils history as they saw a hat trick of, of three disallowed goals that, in reality, as uh, I believe, I can't remember who the guy was on TSN that was yeah. talking about it, yeah. they were all the correct calls. Yeah. Um, and that's, you can't really argue that. I mean, it was goalie interference, um, kicking, um, and I think goalie interference twice. So the reality is, if, if you run into the goalie, it's not going to be a goal. And if you kick the puck with your skate, it's not a goal. Uh, Distinct kicking motion. Yep. Distinct yep. kicking motion. Yep. So. And, and by your boy... Eric Hala. <laughs> oh, the Hala Famer. <laughs> the Hala Famer. We actually didn't spend a lot of time on Hala in our, in our Devil's Musings off the top. No, no we didn't, and uh, maybe we'll get into the legend of uh, Eric Hala at some point, but uh, funny enough, you did, uh, I, I don't know if you saw the clip I sent you, but he was trying to stop the fans from what we'll, we'll get into uh, a little bit later. Uh, but the New Jersey Devils, I mean, it, it, it's been an impressive start to, to the season, first in the Metropolitan Division, 16-4. Um, and four. And just an just pause there for a second. Sixteen and four. The New Jersey Devils are sixteen and four. Yep. Like, wow. It's wow. it's a holy you know it it's quite the improvement, and you're seeing uh, this all be led by uh, Jack Hughes, and and the American is well Nico Heischer. and the, well, I know I know, but let me just I'm just saying. Jack Hughes has has been uh, has been excellent in his what sophomore campaign at this point or I think third year third year um, third year third and then year pro. you're finally seeing like we've been talking about the leadership of Nico Hirscher but I'll let you go into it. Well, I mean, I, I, again, unfortunately, right? I still haven't watched a ton of the Devils. I saw some of that Leafs game, um, so you know my Devils takes unfortunately are going to have to evolve as the season goes. I'm going to definitely make an effort. Uh, to, to tune in, they've they've definitely earned my viewership and, and my prioritization at sixteen and four, but uh, I just reference Heischer because every time I look up, I mean he's he's leading them in points, um, and he's not like he he plays a really important role for them that that extends beyond the stat sheet, um, and you know frankly, I mean you know Hughes is supposed to be a superstar, he's supposed to be a hundred point guy. Um, you know, when he's at his potential, which he's, he should be approaching this year and moving on to. 
Um, but realistically, I don't think Hughes gives you much more than what the score sheet will tell you. But I think his whole value is creating offense, and that's what he does. And Heischer's supposed to do a lot more and does do a lot more. And the fact that Heischer's doing, obviously, um, all those things and leading the team in points, I mean, that to me, I think Heischer deserves to be the first devil mentioned, not Hughes, just because Hughes is what? Because he's hot and his mom's hot um, and he's the number one pick. And Maybe it's just because I'm, I'm a little bit more excited, the fact that he's American and excited for U.S. hockey. But you are not wrong. Uh, but unfortunately, you are wrong about one fact. Yes, for Brat leads this team in points um, at this point. Uh, but that that brings me into the fact that they've got three guys that already have 20 points. Jesper Brad, Jack Hughes, and Nico Heischer all have 20-plus points. Uh, eight goals for Brad, nine goals for Heischer, and, and seven for uh, for Hughes. And then you have a guy like Dougie Hamilton who's got six goals already from the point. So you're seeing scoring throughout this lineup. Um, and then you look at the back end in the goaltending. It's been uh, excellent from... Well, well, while you're while you're you know scrolling stats and getting to it, um, one thing and I, you know again I'm, I'm I apologize to our listeners that are sick of me referencing the Bruins as a point of reference, but that's my point of reference. Uh, you know when the Bruins were as good as they as they've been, um, you know like like the peak of the Julianne and Bergeron and Chara era uh, from about 2011 to 2013 um, 14. Every single year, the the top twenty players in the league in plus minus, you could see ten or twelve Bruins on there. Like it was ridiculous. It was it was they were the best five on five team by a mile. And right now, the plus minus stats across the league look like that for New Jersey. Um, and so that, that's another thing that jumps out to me, um, you know, right now about this about this uh, about this streak that that, they, that again just just recently came to an end, but. Uh, this terror they're on, right? Sixteen out of twenty. That's that's again. That's a quarter of the year. That's a quarter of the season. You've got sixteen, sixteen and four. That's that's the one to be said. And, and the plus minus again. I know it's not the best stat now with all the advanced analytics and everything, but to me, when when your entire roster is looking like that, or like when when you are dominating or monopolizing the top of that list, it means you're playing great five on five hockey and. I know special teams are becoming a bigger and bigger part um, of the NHL, of the league, of all the like movement and efforts that they're making to grow scoring and everything. But I think ultimately five on five is what five on the best five on five te- teams are the best teams come playoffs. Um, so I, I, you know, that's, that's pretty you know not to me not not a fluky sixteen and four. But again, I, I haven't watched a ton of Devils, so I'm. I'm it's my commitment to our listeners that I'll, I'll come to our next pod with some good Devils content. Oh, I, I, I think uh, there is some good insight there, without a doubt. I mean, yes, uh, plus minus is a less looked at stat, but I still cherish it because the fact is um, you look at what some of these forwards are doing in the offensive zone, the three of those forwards that we talked about, oh, both two of them both over the plus, uh, plus 10, so impressive stuff. Um, can't leave out the forward group without talking a little Miles Wood. I was going to say we got we got to have our, our, our weekly segment, the Woodshed. <laughs> ten uh, ten points to start the year, six goals, four assists for Miles Wood. That's production. Uh, That's lead, he, it's producing. He's producing, leading the team in penalty minutes with thirty three minutes to That's start the boy. season. Miles Wood leading uh, in all categories. <laughs> I'm just kidding, but uh, leading in the stats that matter for this New Jersey team. But like I was hinting at earlier. Vitek Vanacek has been uh, excellent for this team, going nine and two to start this uh, this campaign for the Devils. I've got a little, I've got a good anecdote on Vitek Vanacek. Love it, I'd love to hear it. So he was playing goalie for the Capitals in the Bruins playoff series. Um, I think it was the COVID year when nobody was in the building, uh, right? So it, it was it was an empty arena, I believe. Um, I the twenty twenty one season, something like that, and they were playing in the in the playoffs. And there was a situation where Vanacek was just kind of caught off guard playing a puck behind the net. And he basically had a fuck-up, and it cost them a goal. And Ovechkin, they're both Russian-born, right? So they, and Ovechkin had a moment where Ovechkin, Ovechkin skates over to him and screams at him something in Russian. <laughs> and the Boston Sports Radio found a way to translate and understand what he said. And he said, um, like, Blatziata, Suka. <laughs> you know, Suka is the one that I remember. And it basically meant, wake up, bitch. 
Wake, wake, wake the f up, bitch! Is basically what he said. Um, so there's my little anecdote on Vitek Vanek, but he's been good. No, oh, it's actually if you look at it, and, and the guys had about seventy starts prior to this season. In all those both seasons, uh, he has had uh, twenty wins in both those seasons. So he is a good goaltender. Uh, New Jersey is is riding the hot hand in uh, um, in this guy. Uh, but moving on, moving on to uh, one of Ross is probably. Uh, um, idols in Patrice Bergeron. I'll let you kind of segue into what milestone he was able to hit. Yeah, um, idol. I don't know. Uh, he's a role model for anybody, um, and you know, I'm not going to pretend to act like I'm in the same moral category as a Patrice Bergeron. I don't really think I am, or, or really probably ever will be. Uh, but you know, he recorded his a thousandth point, and you know, he's played about a little over 1,200 games. So he recorded his thousandth point. The entire team came off the bench to celebrate with him and made a big pig pile on after you know a secondary assist in Tampa. Um, and you know, to me, I, I'm not the biggest. Uh, I'm not the biggest. Like all these milestones to me are just they're getting a little out of control. Like like every single every time. Sorry, thanks, Brian. Um, but. Uh, maybe it's just like the social media Instagram era, uh, and you know, I just I follow all the accounts. Like the NHLPA is an account they follow. Every single time a player hits a hundred games played, two hundred games played, three hundred games played, four, every every hundred points, two hundred points, three hundred points, it, yeah, it's enough. Like enough, enough on the on the on the personal milestones. A thousand points is important for Bergeron. You know, it's it's cool. Like it was inevitable because he's playing now. Um, and you know, it, 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 but, but what it really, the real significance of it to me is Bruins, right? Uh, not unlike the Devils, um, they're, they're out to a ridiculously hot start and, and, and the team's playing incredibly well, but the, the bigger story to me about Bergeron's a thousand points is the whole team piling off the bench and getting so fired up about it. Uh, it's another, it's another little, little, I, I call it a footnote. Um, in Bergeron, what what appears and is expected to be Bergeron's last season, um, and with the team playing so well out of the gates, like better than anybody expected, especially myself included, um, you know, the whole team being so fired up about it, and like to me, like that speaks to something that's going on with the Bruins in the Bruins locker room around the team, where there's a real you know, the, the, something special is brewing there. Um, something special is brewing. Um, but you know, that, that to me is the bigger story. I'm not the biggest milestone guy, but, uh, that, 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 that's the big takeaway. Well, it's, you know, I, we've been watching this guy for what, 17 years, 18 years. 18 years? His you rookie know. year was the year before the, uh, the lockout of three or four. He was an 18 year old second round pick that made the team as an 18 year old. First ballot Hall of Fame, without a doubt, another milestone to add to the list. So easy. So a couple, a couple, just quick Bergeron points, and again, I'm, I'm, I'll, I'll get off my knees in a second. Just <laughs> bear with. Uh, only player to ever win five Selkie trophies, right? A couple guys have four. I think Bob Gainey, um, somebody else, maybe Guy Carboneau, something like that. Uh, but o- only player to ever win five Selkie trophies as the best, uh, you know, two way forward, um, and. A thousand points again, not the biggest thing for me, but he joins three. Th- he becomes the fourth Bruin to achieve a thousand points in a Bruins uniform, right? So that's a that's a list with some integrity. Ray Bork, uh, Johnny Chief Music, Phil Esposito, Patrice Bergeron. He's also, he's also got a Clancy and a Mark Messier award. So the guy is uh, like like I said, I I think without a doubt a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, hopefully uh, they can make a little bit of a special run, this Boston team. Um, I want to talk just a little bit about it and their hot start, especially because you are a Bruins guy. Uh, jumping straight up into the lead of that Atlantic division. Uh, do you expect, with the goaltending of Olmark and, and Swayman and, and this kind of core, do you expect them to, to hold off and, and win the division like we thought? Or um, do you just see them as a second or third, uh, third place team in that division? Well, you bring up a couple points before I get to the division, you know, final prediction thing. But uh, is Olmark? Olmark's playing Vezina goalie. He's playing right? lights out. He's playing. He's the best goalie in the league right now. Uh, which is, I he caught me off guard. I didn't see it. A lot of people around Boston called him Lena Skidmark uh, in his in his first year with the team. Well, it's it's funny enough. I mean, he came from Buffalo, correct? Mm-hmm. It's 
free agent signing. What do you, you know, out of the goalies that have come out of Buffalo, it's it's tough. You've seen, uh, funny enough, Robin Leonard came out, decent goalie, can't stay healthy at this point, but is a good goalie, was overshadowed by a really bad team in front of him. Same with Olmark when his time in Buffalo, and it is turning out to be actually a pretty good goaltender. Uh, people that I know when they acquired him, and obviously as the replacement to a guy like Tuka Rask, that's a tough, uh, tough shoes to fill. But uh, I think Olmark has done a very solid job, and, and he's he's getting rid of that kind of mark he had in, in Buffalo with that tough lineup in front of him. So it is impressive stuff to see um, so far from Olmark. Yep, yep, and you know, again, he's playing lights out, which I don't know how sustainable that is. It looks to be pretty sustainable. I mean, mm-hmm. he's played uh, you know, thirteen or fourteen, you know, like the vast majority of these games, um, and I, I feel like I feel like he's going to continue at this level, of, uh, assuming he stays healthy. Um, like most Swedes, you know, you hear about and you see and you witness, and being a pretty diehard fan of all the team and a lot of things around them. Uh, he seems to just be a good dude, right? Everybody likes him. Um, he's got a great relationship with Swayman, who, you know, the, the future of the Bruins is supposed to be Swayman. Swayman seems to be in a little bit of a rut this year. Um, he's been a little disappointing despite this ridiculous start. Again, really picking and splitting hairs at a, at a team that's, what, 17-3? and three? Something like that. Um, and so, you know, <laughs> right? <laughs> they're, they're winning 9 out of 10 games at this point, so it's hard to be upset. But um, I, I, you'd like to see Swayman uh, perform a little bit better. He he had a, a, a poor game, uh, by my estimation, uh, their most recent loss. Um, but um, the one other thing I just want to call out about until we get, get over the Bruins, because enough is enough, and I know our listeners aren't all from Boston, but that Bergeron 1,000-point game, right? That was a Tampa game. And I do this thing, so I, I, I've got the ESPN Plus, right, and, I, and when I watch the, and so I consider myself a little bit of a, uh, I call it a, um, a, a broadcast tourist. Mm-hmm. So I'll, I'll listen to the different broadcasting teams from, like from other teams. Yeah. I, I never, I, I almost never listen to Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley on Nesson because Jack Edwards drives me freaking insane. Andy Brick <laughs> does a great job, but Edwards, like, he lives in a parallel universe. Mm-hmm. And he's he's an insane person. Like he's he's just he's he's. You want to talk about a few loose screws? I mean, I, I think he's got plenty. He's got a bunch of loose screws. It, so he sees the world through this perspective. Like the Bruins every year are like the seventies Canadians. Like he thinks that they're just they're so in like that's just the world that he lives in. And it, like it, it's homerism to a degree that's just it's it's not even just homerism. It's that. When he's calling the game, the words coming out of his mouth, usually it doesn't match what's happening on the ice. Right now, with the record they're playing with, whatever, it's closer. But, like, when the Bruins suck, like, it sounds like they're doing great when you listen to Jack Edwards. It's just, it's horrible. But I'm, I'm, off, I'm off my Edwards thing. But my, my point is, I'm listening to the Tampa Bay broadcast of that uh, Tampa game. And the, the, the Tampa guys pointed out, John Cooper made a point to the team that day. He said, hey, guys, you know. You know, it's one out of eighty-two, but this is a big game. We're we're playing the the the, the hottest team in the league right now. Um, obviously, it's the same division, so they're gonna. The, I think I think the the Bruins and the and the Lightning are most likely gonna have to go through each other. Yep. Where both teams want to go, um, and Cooper made that point. And the start of that game, Tampa came out on fire. They came out putting their absolute best foot forward. They dominated. Uh, they had. I think they had, you know, 15 of the first, I think they had 15 of the first 20 shots on goal. Uh, so they came out like uh, like bats out of hell, and they really took it to the Bruins. They got an early goal, an early lead, and the Bruins kind of took that punch, and they counterpunched, and they hung in there, and, and they, they ended up running them out of the barns a stretch. But it, it felt like a game early on where you've got this Tampa team, right, this historic Tampa team, Playing at home, fired up that their coach, probably the best, most successful coach in the league, right, makes a point about the game, and clearly his message gets through to this team, and they come out flying. And I, I thought immediately to the, do you remember the 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 the, the atmosphere in the Shark Tank 
uh, oh, okay. during the Joe Thornton years. Oh, it was, I mean, it was always because the Hawks were playing there, and then they came in and swept. Well, yes, absolutely. It was like the first 10 minutes of the first period, you can lose a game if yep. you're not ready for it. Oh, yeah. And they would run a lot of teams out right like mm-hmm. that. So Tampa came out kind of like that. And the whole barn was going, everything was going, and it was it, it felt almost like that kind of a situation. The fact that this Bruins team hung in there again against the the class of the Eastern Conference and battled back, won the game big, you know, I, I think and Olmark Olmark made a couple of huge, huge, huge saves he won. So that to me, that was a I considered that a measuring stick game for the Bruins. And uh, even more to that point, I think the the Lightning thought of it as a measuring stick game for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that the Bruins came out like that and and handled that, that uh, you know, every, the Mike Tyson quote, right? Everybody has a game plan until you get punched <laughs> in the face. Um, That's true. The, the fact that they hung in there and, and battled back to me is, is, a, is, a, is a great sign. No, and that's to your point of uh, playing and, and being a successful team on 5-on-5, five five, I think being able to respond, and as a guy who coaches hockey, it, it's if your team can respond and, and answer the questions that are going to be asked by these other teams, those are going to be good hockey teams, uh, without a doubt. And I, I think you hit some good points quickly, uh, just to recap on what you said, for all hockey fans out there. Um, I know it's a subscription-based, but uh, if you want to catch basically every game almost every night, ESPN Plus is the way to go. I'm not giving them an ad plug. Plug more than that, but uh, no, no, no. It's it's not that ESPN Plus is doing anything special. It's that ESPN forked up the money and they yeah. bought the rights. No, without so a doubt, that's what Center Ice is. It used to be called Center Ice, right? And now it's it's ESPN Plus. So that's, and it's an affordable price. So that's that's just the only thing I want to touch on ESPN Plus. And if you're a hockey, hockey fan fans. and you hate the Disney Corporation like I do, you, you you can you can just do it month to month, and you can do it for the hockey season. Save yourself in, you know fifteen bucks. It's yeah. like seven bucks a month. But for any of you golfers, like I know a lot of hockey uh, fans are, you get the PGA Tour as well. So there is some perks to uh, ESPN+. Plus. And but um, before we move on, you asked for my prediction about the Bruins. So right now, after this start, a quarter of the way through the year, they should win the division. I, I, don't, I don't disagree with you. I think uh, I don't want to spend too much more time on this Bruins team, but you're, you're seeing a, uh, um, a great play out of Charlie McAvoy. You're seeing uh, this lineup produce. You love to see Hampus Lindholm. Hampus Lindholm. Uh, David Krejci is finally finding his legs. Oh my God! Um, oh, again, I know we need to move on, but Krejci just—he had a slap shot goal on Vasilevsky. That again, Vasilevsky probably should have had, but it was just such an awesome old school yep. short side, right? No, it was. It was just it, 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 he, 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 he was like he was like four feet inside the blue line. Just ripped. It just teed one up, and, and caught everybody off guard. Uh, it seems like Vasilevsky included, but anyway. Moving on, moving on. Uh, the Boston Bruins definitely a team to to watch as uh, as we did announce our Eastern Conference top three uh, for this Atlantic Division. Uh, Ross and I both have the Bruins making the playoffs. Alex did not. He's already regretting that one uh, quickly. And uh, he didn't have him out. To, to, in fairness, he didn't have him out of the playoffs. He had him out a of the wild division. card. Right. But I think he's he's a little crazy to keep him out of that top three. We'll see. I think he had. Uh, I can't remember who he had in, in uh, replacement for the Bruins. But moving on uh, to an emotional he had the Panthers. He had the Panthers. Yeah, that's what it was. To a uh, actual emotional night because I was I was in the building for it. Um, where you saw seven of the greats from the the dynasty team return to the United Center as as the great eighty one, the only one to wear eighty one in uh, in the Blackhawks sweater, was lifted to the UC Rafters. He joined the greats um, up there, and uh, it Who was the retired Blackhawk numbers: Glenn Hall, Bobby Hall, Dennis Savard, Pierre Pilat, Magnuson, um, Stan Makita, Stan Makita, and. I don't know if I'm missing anyone else. I might be, but I, I can't remember. Okay. Chelios? No. No. Chelios didn't get it. Yeah, I mean, he played for too many teams. But you uh, you saw in, in a, a great speech from Hosa, a guy who, you know, his English is he's actually pretty good for a guy who played as long as he did in the, the league, but he does live back over uh, where he, in Slovakia. Uh, but uh, he had his whole family. His brother was there. Um, and then he had the likes of Patrick Sharp. Marcel Hosa, right? Marcel was there. He had, Marcel. He had a little uh, he had a little video on the big board during one of the intermissions and it was a nice little, you know, thank you for uh, um, you know, leading the Hosa name in the, in the NHL world as he kind of struggled, but uh, you know, it, it to the point, you know, Hosa, a, a guy who who played all sides, all 200 feet of the of the ice um, and it was a, it was a special night. I mean, it 
without a doubt. Honestly, like I said, it, it brought tears to uh, to my eyes a little bit because it was it was depressing. You know, you saw Kane, Taze, um, Seabrook, Keith, Sharp, Jalmerson all on the all. Jalmerson, what a player! All suited up in what, suits. What a player, Jalmerson. It, oh, it, unbelievable. I mean, without a doubt, it, without Nick Jalmerson, I don't think this team wins um, any like of those Stanley team. Cups. Wow. No, yeah. I, 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 he's the only guy that. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. He, elite, elite number three D. And we'll get to. I think as the season goes on, we'll get because we get closer to trade deadline. We'll talk a little bit more. Mm-hmm. I think that 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 role of third defenseman is so important for mm-hmm. a cup championship. Oh yeah. And, and really being a real cup contender, and he was just one of the best ever. Yep. With without a doubt. Um, and it, like I said, that was what was really emotional about it. it the fact is, you you saw the guys that um, really led uh, my childhood and my fandom for this team um, all kind of retired. But the fact is, you're going to see at least um, Keith go up to the rafters without a doubt. I think Keith number two oh, yeah. gets retired. I don't think uh, Keith Kane takes. Keith Kane takes. Yep. Also. Without a doubt. Yep. Without a doubt. Yep. I think that's uh, you know Jalmerson, Unfortunately, number. number nah, one. you can't retire. No, no, no. It's not going to happen. Ten's not going to happen. Um, and and that's kind of the reality of it. But uh, a special night from the Blackhawks. I have think. you have you been to a, a jersey retirement ceremony anywhere else? I uh, actually was specially enough able to join uh, on the ice and be part of the Pierre Pilat Magnuson one. Um, so we were kind of holding. Uh, I don't know who Pierre Pilat Magnuson is. Pierre Pilat was a uh, Blackhawks defenseman, then Keith Magnuson. They retired the number with both names. I think it was, uh, I can't remember what year it was, but um, you know, a friend and I were able to be on the ice for it. It was, it was a really special uh, um, ceremony, but not quite as special as this one. And uh, you kind of saw it. I don't know if I saw Crosby sneak out and watch a little bit about it, but you did see some Penguins players kind of watching from the tunnel as, as a guy who did play in Pittsburgh for a little bit. Um, Hosa, just a guy who. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had that quick day. half half season at the deadline. That's uh, right. Coming over from he had, Atlanta. He had, that, he had that brutal sequence. Yep, yep. Atlanta to uh, to but, Pittsburgh. So, but, but yeah, so Hosa, and again, we, what a class act, what a great uh, two way player. We talked about Bergeron being this selkie guy. The fact that Hosa never won a selkie is shocking. Mm-hmm. Um, what a player. I mean, he was like an elite goal scorer in Ottawa coming up. You know, 40 goals, 40 apples, playing 200-foot game. But his 200-foot game really sort of matured as his career progressed. Mm-hmm. Um, and one part of his story is 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 that stint with Pittsburgh, right? So yep. he goes he goes from Atlanta – or yep. no, he goes from Ottawa. He's traded from Ottawa to Atlanta for Danny Heatley. Yep. In a trade that – The I, heater. I, whatever you <laughs> – Heater, we could do a whole podcast on Heater, but um, so he goes. He goes again. He goes. He goes. Ottawa to Atlanta for Heater. Spends a couple years in Atlanta, lighting up the score sheet on bad teams. Trade deadline, huge trade deadline pickup for Pittsburgh. Yep. Um, like as Crosby's emerging, their first legit shot at a cup. They go to the finals. They lose in seven to Detroit. Do you and, know who actually came over on the deal with uh, Hosa to Pittsburgh? Hosa to Pittsburgh from Atlanta. Um, who? Pascal Dupuis. Ah, Pascal Dupuis, another key, a key contributor on yep. these teams. Um, and, but but my, my point about that is a big part of Hosa's story is he loses in seven as a Pittsburgh Penguin. Yep. Then he was an unrestricted free agent that offseason. He signs with Detroit. And the next year he goes with Detroit, and they lose in seven to Pittsburgh. Yep. It, it's And so that happens to him. And he's in, and then he finds his way to Chicago. Was he a free agent signing or was that a trade? He was a twelve-year, eight million dollar, I believe, uh, signing at the, or maybe seven. Uh, so at, at thirty something years old, so I think he was thirty-two. It would have played out until he was, or maybe he was, I don't know. I think he would have played he out. A, he was a free agent. He was a free agent. Yeah, it would have played out until he was like forty something. Gotcha, gotcha. And and so, right, you lose consecutive game sevens yep. on opposite teams in two years when. The same two teams meet. You're on the losing side of both on two different teams. Ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Then he gets to Chicago and is a, obviously a, right, a, a key contributor on three championship, uh, uh, three three Stanley Cup teams, which is, I mean, again, just, well, just hats off. What, what a great guy. Quickly to uh, kind of go into that. I mean, he came into Chicago. He actually had off-season surgery in that free agency season and it was hurt for, I think, missed at least two or three months to start the year and then came in. Um, the one story I'll give from the 2010 year, I don't know if you remember the game, 
Uh, but uh, versus Nashville, he takes a five-minute uh, boarding call, putting Dan Hamuse into the boards. Um, Blackhawks get a uh, the one shorthanded career goal from Patrick Kane in, in the third period to tie it late. Um, and uh, Hosa's uh, five-minute major ends a few minutes into the first overtime period, steps right out of the box, goes right into the paint, gets a shot, deflects off, uh, I think, a defender, ends up right on Hosa's stick, buries it, best celebration in a Hawks uniform, slides on the knees, will ever be in my heart's. Um, as one of my uh, favorite moments as a Blackhawk. Very, very off-brand sequence for us. One, oh, one is taking taking a boarding call, which, yep. again, never a dirty player, not his game. Definitely physical and strong, mm-hmm. but never a dirty player, didn't play on the edge, was very, you know, so good that he wasn't putting himself in those positions and, and you know, very well-balanced player on the ice, never gotten too emotional. And then also you mentioned the celebration, right? Not a big celebrator, not a big, not a showboat, not, not, not part of saying that that's not about a showboat, that's just pure, pure complete um, and utter joy. But um, uh, interesting anecdote, I appreciate that. And well, one bit on the, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. But I've got, I've got one item on the host of retirement before we move on. And maybe a little bit to the excitement, obviously coming out of the five-minute uh, major, a little frustration there, but also his first playoff hockey goal for the Chicago Blackhawks. So a big excitement in the building, crazy, uh, crazy atmosphere. It was when the Predators were great. Um, as well, and it was a fun little rivalry between the Hawks and, and the Preds. But yeah, what were, what do you got for? So what just you know, quick story time. But uh, the, the only Jersey retirement I've been to, I went to Neely Night uh, when they when they hung number eight to the rafters at uh, the the TD Garden, the Fleet Center, whatever you want to call it. And um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 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 just. I'm very I'm very much uh, a, I'm a small hall guy in mm-hmm. the Hall of Fame conversations. And I'm a less retired numbers than should be, um, and I think you could dispute. You know, I I I think Neely belongs up there. But my point is, being in the building for a jersey retirement of a player that you love, it's special. And and I encourage uh, encourage all of our listeners anytime they get an opportunity to to circle that circle that game and, and see if they can get there. If you know one of, one of their guys is going up. Um, it. it as you said, I mean, it doesn't happen uh, that often. Um, a guy who only played nine years in Chicago, people don't realize it wasn't as you know as long as some of these other historic right. careers. Like Makita was like fifty nine to like. That's true. That's true. So for me personally, I think that putting eighty one up is probably like by my standards is technically technically speaking inappropriate. Um, for the Blackhawks because he played for so many other teams, his career expanded, you know, mm-hmm. uh, spanned a lot of other teams. And uh, to me, I think the numbers that go up there need to be guys that were, you know, ninety percent of their career was with the team, and they have to be one of the, they have to be a Hall of Famer, and they have to be involved in championships or championship runs well here's here's my only argument and, to to go against it and, and, and just before you get there just my, my disclaimer nine years three cups right i mean that not a lot of guys can can say that oh, and to build off of that i don't think you know maybe hosting a hall of famer if, if he continued on to the the points and his career continued to to go into the no host is a hall of famer what He's already in the hall. No, 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 no. In terms of if he hadn't gone to Chicago, hadn't won the three Stanley Cups, maybe he'd won one, you know, yeah, I think he's a Hall of Famer, not maybe a first ballot. But since he won those three Cups, since he produced in Chicago, since he was such a big part of it, such a two-play player, he was a first ballot. And I think, you know, the the stats and and the the awards that they won in Chicago um, solidified that for Marion. And that's why I think it's a case where you can look at it, yes, only nine years, but uh, a special nine years. And, And the guy... Is the only one in Blackhawks history to win wear eighty one. He wanted to wear eighteen. Dennis Savard already retired. Uh, I think I actually missed him on uh, in terms of people who have been retired. Yeah. Uh, so he couldn't wear eighteen and, and decided to wear eighty one. And and no one will wear eighty one in a Blackhawks uniform anymore. And that's that's kind of um, the special reality of, of the Hosa retirement night. The final point on Hosa here just is that his tenure with the Hawks, being such a player on three cup teams, mm-hmm. that's. His him cementing himself as a critical point of hockey history, mm-hmm. right? He could have had a Hall of Fame career and not really had an imprint on the history of the game if he was continuing to you know 
bring up points and be a great player in Atlanta or in Ottawa or whatever. But the history of the NHL, the history of the Stanley Cup involved, you, you need to talk about that Blackhawks team that won three, and you can't talk about that team without bringing up Hosses. Nope. Nope, without a doubt, without a doubt in, in question in terms of that game. Um, there was another milestone that was hit. It was actually Evgeny Malkin's 1,000th game um, in, a, in a game that was actually pretty exciting. The Hawks uh, fell to an early deficit to the Penguins. I think they went up either 4 or 3-1 uh, before the Hawks were able to climb back in the third before Pittsburgh woke up late in the third and, and ended up taking this one 6-4. Um, or five, I can't remember what the score was, but um, special night for Evgeny Malkin, the uh, the Russian, the guy that uh, has has also had a very successful career, uh, like Marion Hoso with uh, the Penguins, hit his 1,000th game, was celebrated uh, the other night in Pittsburgh where he was able to uh, win it in the shootout, scoring a pretty uh, pretty goal. Uh, I don't know if you saw it. He had the shootout winner in his 1,000th? Thousand celebrated game. So the oh, first game, back. game. So his first game back in got Pittsburgh, it, the game it, they got celebrated it. it. Got it, got it, got it. Uh, funny enough, the, all the Pens followed uh, uh, Malkin in his warm up routine in Chicago. So it was, it was funny enough to watch that. I was, I was there early enough because the ceremony started at four thirty, and the game ended up starting at six thirty. You get to catch those things, but so his uh, thousandth game was the Hosa game. The, his thousandth game got was the Hosa game. And then they did the whole ceremony his next home game back yep. in back in. The, the Hawks did. Uh, the Hawks did give Evgeny. Uh, a little shout out, and, and uh, he got a standing O at the United Center for his thousandth by Blackhawks faithful. Um, that's why they are the respected. Uh, <laughs> but no, it, is it all all forty five hundred fans in the UC? Yeah, <laughs> no, sold out barn. Oh, that's right, it was hosted night. Of sold course, out barn. Course, the, one, the one sold out night of the fair season. Enough, fair enough. From a marketing standpoint, <laughs> oh. see, so. So, again, it's not about Hosa, but in general, I think from a marketing standpoint, I think teams are more inclined to retire numbers and down especially Especially the Chicago Blackhawks in the right state now, that they're at yeah, right now, yeah. uh, without a doubt. But no, Evgeny Malkin, a guy who will be a, a Hall of Famer um, and has really led this team, you know, yes, kind of been shadowed by the fact that he, he is the second-line center behind a guy like Sidney Crosby. But uh, still one of the best, you know, in, in the reality is a first-line center anywhere else, but uh, probably the best second-line center uh, that we've seen in, in the last decade. I don't even really categorize him as a second-line center because that's just ridiculous. Um, well, it's just the, it's, that's, but that's the case he's thrown into being behind a, a guy like Crosby. And the fact is, I think he is probably the best second-line center we've seen. If you want to call it that, then yeah, sure. Like, 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 yeah. I mean, he's 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 an all timer. He's one of the best players ever. Um, I think it was there on their se- the 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 second cup that they won. Um, no, 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 it was the fir- the first cup they won. Uh, in what it was it? It was two thousand ten or two thousand nine. He he was the best player in the playoffs. And did he win the Smythe or did they give it to Crosby? Because I thought Crosby. they gave it to Crosby that year. I, I, anyway, my, my point is, of, of the three cups that the Penguins won, one year it was obviously Crosby, one year it was obviously Malkin, another year it was obviously Latang to me. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, Malkin, right. Uh, so, again, I just I said earlier, right, I'm not the biggest uh, milestone guy. Bergeron's 1,000 points, you know, whatever. Right, um, his career speaks for itself, and a thousand points or nine ninety nine, like it, it, it's the same to me. But a thousand games played to me is is that, that that that's a big one, and for a guy like Malkin, maybe it's less significant because he's got so many other. Uh, Malkin was the playoff MVP in the 09. So he did, yeah, yeah. I mean, he was ridiculous that playoffs, um, and so. So on the thousand games played thing, I, I think I, I think thousand games played is more meaningful for for less talented superstar like for people that are for, for players that are, are that are of a lesser quality than Malkin because Malkin's so freaking good it's just like it's like yeah if he wants to play if he wants to play for, for uh, if he wants to play long enough and he's healthy enough he's going to play a thousand games but to me the a thousand game milestone means so much more for role players and guys that can just bring it and stay healthy and play through play hurt mm-hmm. um, and and continue to earn a role on a team for so long but yeah, I mean Gino Malkin, right? He's he's sick, and this year right now, I, I've seen I've seen a, a different Malkin than the last few years. Um, he looks like he's got a real fire under his ass. Um, I, 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 beyond me about what kind of motivates him and, and, and how he, um, you know, I couldn't begin to tell you what motivates getting Malkin, but it looks like he is motivated to be 
um, or to, to sort of reestablish himself as a Hart Trophy kind of player. Uh, that's probably a bit of a stretch at this point with the young players in the league and all the other guys. But uh, when he turns it up, I mean, he can he can take over games. Oh, he had a great goal in, in the host of retirement night. He had uh, an excellent goal, and he was actually a, a huge difference, and you, you saw it again the, the following night. And and he's a guy who plays with his – he uses his size. He, he has speed to it, and he's got a great shot, a great skill set. And he's got – one thing, I'm sorry, but one thing that I think gets overlooked with Mark is he's got, he's got temper. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. He loses it. He loses it a lot. I mean, those Russians, I mean, man, you never know. Uh, but like you said, you know, I think he does understand the fact is he's 36 years old. Um, and Crosby's 35. This core of him and Latang and, and, and Crosby doesn't have too much more time uh, left. And it's a team that I, I felt like the Hawks should have been a little bit more uh, of, of similar to in the sense of staying relevant. But the, the Penguins do have to find a little bit of importance in this year as, as they did have a slow start to start the year. They are a little bit hotter of late, I think winning four straight. Uh, but Malkin entered the league in, or drafted in 04, entered the league in 06. Finally playing his 1,000th game. So he was the number two pick the year that Ovechkin was one, I believe. I think you're right. So they, it's crazy that they had and one so, and one, one, two, or two, one. And obviously, like, years. right, right, like, there's no conspiracy. Like, this had nothing to do with it. Nobody knew these players were going to become these players, and the lockout had so many more politics around it than any oh, yeah. of that. But the fact that Ovechkin and Malkin, for that matter, but the fact that Ovechkin went 1-1 one, one in 0-3-0-4, or 0-4-0-5, and then Crosby went one one in 506 so that their rookie years were the same year. Yep. That was such a great reemergence for with, the league at the time. With like, a Mario Lemieux still on that team. But 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 like the league needed that. And they mm-hmm. needed these generational new young high Ovechkin's highlight reels, whatever. Now we're talking about Ovechkin, we're not even talking about Malkin, but um and my my point is that, that and Malkin's a big part of that too, right? So the fact that those three players came into the league right after the lockout with the new rules that opened things up and less clutch mm-hmm. and grab and all of those things, um, those players all together, Malkin included, helped kind of redefine and reestablish the league. So, yeah, I mean, he's, he's an all-timer. Without a question. I mean, to, to kind of just go off your point on, on the fact is, I mean, you saw Malkin, Ovechkin, Crosby, Taze, Kane, Bergeron, all these guys from this this era <laughs> of that draft. I mean, it, those drafts, it, it's it's pretty uh, um, surreal. You're not seeing that necessarily as much in, in this year's or the years um, that we've seen of, of the prospects. But um, I mean, the latest being the greatest, probably being McDavid, and we'll see with uh, Bedard in this year's draft. But I don't know if that's a fair comment to say that, you know, like I, I think it's, it's pretty unprecedented the way that those three players came into the league at a time when the league changed. Like the league in 05 06, the gap between the 03 04 season, then you have the lockout, then 05 06. That was probably the biggest gap in style of play of our generation. Well, it changed. Year to year. No, that, so season to season, right? And these three players coming into like that, that was unprecedented. Mm-hmm. But there have been plenty of young players since that have been studs. And, uh, I don't disagree with you. I don't they're disagree with you. Continues and those even, th- even guys I don't like, like Matthews, I mean, he's ridiculous. And we'll give we'll give the give that time and that uh, kind of, I mean, the Matthews McDavid era more time. I mean, obviously we're looking at these guys and that was 2006, 5, 4. Well, we'll um, see if those guys can win anything. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's what this, that category was able to win. You can't argue that. No, all right, Jack. You, you just won me over. Your point. I get it. I get it. I get it. I get your All point. All those guys I, won. I, I get your point. I get your point. We haven't seen young players come to the league and win yet. And that's since, I think that's that going to be the biggest thing that haunts um, a guy like Connor McDavid, and I know we're talking about Evgeny Malkin, this last point we'll make about it before we move on, is, you know, yes, best player in the world without a doubt. Can he get Edmonton to the finals? Can he get them a, a win? You know, it, that's going to be the big question that, that haunts McDavid. Is that going to be... Biggest story over the next five years is, yeah. is Edmonton. Edmonton, and then what does, you know, I think every year it's always going to continue to be what what the hell is Montreal, or not Montreal, Toronto going to be able to do with the Matthews, Marner core, what, Matt and uh, Nylander. It's, we'll see what this young core is able to do. I think, like I said, we'll give them a little bit more time. They're still young. No, but um, you won me over. That was a valid point in that you saw these young players come to the league and they've all won. Yep. And now we've seen the young players from the league, and they've done great things, but they've not won. 
Oh, if you look at the Pittsburgh core, you look at the Blackhawks core, that's six Stanley Cups yeah. between the two teams. Right, right. And since then, the other team to reference is about... Um, Ovechkin, is, Washington, won a cup. That's right. That's right. But, the, you know, since then, the, the other team to reference is obviously this Tampa Bay run. Oh, and yeah. And Stamkos, right, he came in and he was a big deal. 2010, but, but, first round pick, I think. And, uh, yeah, number he won 1-1. One, one. Yep. Um, but, you know, he didn't like the league on fire as a rookie. Actually... I think his first or second year he had like 60 goals. Second. Uh, I don't know about 60 his second year. His second year was his breakout year, but his first year he was playing like fourth line. He he, he, he wasn't in the lineup every day. Um, and his first year, again, he he didn't walk into the league as the 1-1 pick and become like the highlight real guy that all the others did mm-hmm. that we previously mentioned. Um, and the other my other point there is just that like, yeah, he won. He absolutely won. And the teams that he was on, uh, even earlier in his career, they went really deep. They lost in a final um, uh, to your Hawks, right? Which team? The Lightning. The Lightning, yeah. Yep. 2015. Um, yep. And, and so... That but, was their experience. But, but, but even going back to the, the Stamkos and the young players winning, is that like when... I don't think Stamkos was never the best player on his team to win. I agree with that. I agree Which with is that. unlike that other group. And again, like these new stars that are the best players in their teams, let's see if they can win some. Oh, it's funny enough. I mean, that Tampa core of... of Kucherov, I believe, was on that 2015 team. I believe Stamkos was on it, and I believe Hedman was all on it, and they kind of got that lesson of losing in the finals, and they've taken that lesson to the heart and obviously have won two straight, uh, two back-to-back cups at that time. Uh, moving on, definitely, uh, like we said, a great career from Mulkin. Interested to see what the latter half of it has to offer, if he is able to win one more with, uh, with that Pittsburgh core. Um, Ross, a little refing corner from Ross today. <laughs> Uh, what is uh, what's your what's you what are you picking uh, against the rest right now? <laughs> this is the 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 zebra segment, rusty zebra segment. So yeah, you see it in all leagues and all sports, right? Uh, the NFL constantly calls it a point of emphasis. Mm-hmm. Um, you hear that in the NHL too. It's something that is collectively, I don't know if it's collectively bargained if the unions involved at all, but it's like the GM meetings in the NFL. It's the competition committee. Um, but every year, every offseason, the GMs get together and they come up with, you know, w- w- how to prioritize changes to rules and how things go. And you saw it, um, you, you saw it, uh, I think it was either two years ago or whatever, they started calling these these ticky-tack slashing calls. Jack? The, the, uh, the last regardless of the timing, but, but you know the call. Mm-hmm. The call, right? Like a, a, a slash to the stick, a slash, like these kind of, your entire hockey career up until they decided to change this rule, they started what what used to be a a, 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 a stick check, something that you're coached to do, something oh, that, yeah. that, that, that's the right thing to do. Um, and now they started calling it, you know, the, these penalties to get more power plays, get more scoring, all this stuff. So the, those are some of the obvious, like that's an obvious example of some of these changes in, in the obvious things. Something that kind of jumped out to me uh, just I, I I was watching I, I sort of caught uh, two two straight games and um, in this in the Bruins game um, I forget who they were playing but it was their loss um, their their recent loss I could Bruins they yeah. lost to uh, fuck who was it Panthers yeah. Florida Panthers right so five two so five two with an empty netter right so it's four uh, two late in the third Bruins on a power play um, and. Like, obviously, right, it's it's absolutely crunch time. And you see this in pretty much just about every single power play unit in the league, the way that they break into the zone, right? They have uh, the guy skates up to center ice, he drops it backwards, and then and then the, 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 the rear, you sort of, you set up your four players at the blue line, and the last guy into the zone sort of carries the puck in so that it, it, when, when if, that per, if that last player can gain the zone... Then you have the other four that all kind of just slide right into power play position mm-hmm. and you're already set up, right? So that's how it all works. Well, I saw the, the same call made in in consecutive games that just jumped out to me was Marchand is up at the at the uh, offensive blue line. Um, and it might have been McAvoy or Pasternak or whoever it was carrying the puck into the zone. They come in and, you know, it's part of this play where they, they kind of use the positioning of their guys and... You know, I don't want to call it a pick, but they, you know, they sort of navigate around their players, use their players as obstructions to, to get the right angles. Um, and they called Marchand for interference when he was sort of in the way. 
Um, and yeah, again, Marchand doesn't deserve any benefit of the doubt. I'm not gonna pretend that he should. Um, but uh, watching the play, he he didn't do anything. Like he 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 didn't he he, he really he really. It, I thought it was just an unjust interference call, especially at that point in the game that pretty much eliminated the Bruins' chance to to erase the two goal deficit and, and to and to tackle that that um, you know, huge power play right, and then maybe you get the empty net and you have a chance, etc. Um, and so they made that huge call to me on a ticky tack little interference. And then I'm watching um, the game a little bit later on, and I gotta see who was it. Uh, Talking about Colorado, I think it was. That's right, that's right. And then I'm watching Colorado. I think Colorado, Vancouver later that night. And Kale McCarr, right? So we're talking about two superstar players. Kale McCarr, similar situation, right? They're down one goal. I think the McCarr call was with two minutes left. Um, and McCarr, right, he skates up, he drops it back to the other guy, and then he goes and stands in the middle of the ice at the blue line. And McCarr, even more so than Marshall, he did nothing. Like, he didn't uh, get in the way. He was just, he was standing where he was standing. And um, they took McCarr off for a two-minute minor for interference with two minutes left down a goal. Did he run into, he run into what, the forward covering the points? No, the play is that you have this player standing, like right? So, like, in this situation, right? McCarr skates up to center ice, he drops it back, and then yep. he goes and just posts up at the blue line, right, the yep. offensive blue line. Then you have the player with the puck, who's the last guy in, sort of weaving through and finding his lane to gain mm-hmm. zone entry. As he's doing that, the back-checking penalty killer is sort of can't really see McCarr, and he kind of skates into him. I think it was JT Miller. He, he skated into him. And they called McCarr for interference on that play. And McCarr is not the kind of guy, like, he, just, he doesn't complain. He doesn't, mm-hmm. like, yell at refs. He's not, like, a crybaby. And he, he, I mean, he was really giving it to him. And I, I thought it was justified. So that's, you know, again, a little bit of a tangent. Um, but I think something to keep an eye on. Um, keep an eye on this year because every single power play runs that same kind of zone yeah. entry. Um, and I, I, I don't know. I get it's sort of a puzzling moment. I haven't heard anything about that, but I, I did notice it. And the fact that it was called on Marchand and the fact that it was called on Makar and the timing to both situations, teams down late in the game and making that, in my opinion, just fluky call essentially ended the game in both situations. So yeah. I, I don't think it's a good call to make. Um, and I think if the guy's interfering, the guy's interfering. But I, I, I just I, I saw it and I, I wanted to bring it up. Uh, it's it's interesting. I think you know it's incidental contact in reality, and, and that's what it should be treated as, uh, especially in tight leverage situations. Unfortunately, you know you happen to notice in in the cases of, uh, I think in the first case you said it was Marshawn who who picked up the interference call. There's a little bit more of always a spotlight on a guy who has the history that uh, Marshawn does have. But in this case of, um, like I said, incidental contact uh, interference call, it's kind of brutal. Uh, it's interesting to see what the league is stressing to the refs uh, in, in their meetings leading up to these games. Um, and maybe that's uh, kind of a point is they want to see a little bit more of uh, interference called. I, I find that really hard to believe. I agree. I agree. It doesn't really add up. <laughs> it's, it's just a stupid thing to kind of look for. All the other rule changes have been pro scoring, pro power yep. plays, and this is and safety divergence from it. Yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. And the um, fact that, and sorry Jack, but just the fact that it was Martian and McCarr like two superstars, mm-hmm. two of the like m- like top no, fifteen players in the league, um, and it just it caught my attention. Right, a small mm-hmm. sample size, two games, one night. Right, they happened within a couple hours of each other, um, but uh, yeah, it, it's uh, little uh, Rusty's um, zebra's corner. You know, it, maybe we'll come up with a segment for that. That that in the woodshed. Yeah, exactly. I, I think the woodshed should the be wood, the woodshed like, might be uh, a weekly. You know. We are going to, uh, we're, we're planning our campaign of, uh, of reaching out to Miles Wood every day until he joins on to the Slapshot podcast for a little interview, uh, but we are a little bit of a Miles Wood uh, podcast, <laughs> just kidding. Uh, no, it, it's an interesting point to look at and, and an interesting aspect to bring uh, to the kind of the listeners, so I'm, I'm glad you kind of brought that, uh, that point to attention. So we're um, here for, babes. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Before we move into our final segment of the day, just wanted to give Star Six Media a shout out. Go follow us on Star Six Media. Go follow the, all our podcasts. Uh, but moving on to the Saturday picks, 
in terms of what the standings look like if they follow. Alex, 2-0, and hot start to start the season. Ross and I finally got on the board getting, uh, getting wins last week. Uh, since Alex is not here, we'll let him start. His pick is a 5 p.m. start tomorrow uh, of being the Florida Panthers beating the St. Louis Blues. Um, should be an exciting matchup. The Blues, who started off really cold to start the season, have found uh, um, a bit of success as of late. They did have a, a seven-game uh, win streak that they were riding as of recent, uh, but I do think they have lost that since uh, since we've talked today. Uh, but Alex has picked to uh, to keep his 2-0 and and, and move to 3-0 and streak is uh, Florida over St. Louis, and that is his pick for this week. Ross, I'll, uh, I'll give myself a little bit of a break. What is, uh, what's your pick this week? Sure. So, you know, um, the, 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 again, I'm not the best hockey gambler, so there's my disclaimer. But a big part of, of picking games for the NHL is you need to look at the schedule. Mm-hmm. And so this is a little bit of a fluky week because the whole league got Thanksgiving off. Yep. Uh, so you had a big slate on Tuesday. Um, you have a big slate today, today. and yep. you have a big slate Saturday. So when I'm looking at the Saturday games, I'm looking for good team, bad team matchups, and I'm looking at who's playing Friday, who's coming off of a back-to-back. So, you know, of all the chances there, I look at this Vegas uh, Vegas Knights, Vancouver Canucks, uh, the night game, uh, 10 o'clock Eastern, 9 p.m. Central. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm picking the Knights. They're not playing Friday. Um, Vancouver isn't either, but it's, you know, not too much flash or flair to my pick. It's basically good team, bad team, um, and you have a fresh Vegas Knights team. That uh, hey, that's the logic, and that's the pick. Not to call you out again. Vegas does uh, play Seattle tonight in Vegas at seven o'clock. Uh, but <laughs> all right, there you go. So I, I fucked that one up. Um, I do like the little Pacific. Uh, <laughs> I, I just I, I don't think I sc- I didn't scroll deep it's, enough to, it's the, to the night third game. last game on the on the schedule. Right? So, so I understand all right. it. All right. Well, you know what? The pick is in. The pick is in. So I've got nights off of back to back. We'll see how it goes. Vancouver's playing hard. Uh, yeah. Hey, but maybe I'll fall to one and two. Maybe I'll maybe I'll maybe I'll get above five hundred. We'll see. You got the the hottest team in the uh, the Western Conference so far. So you, you've got a good pick there. Um, and Vancouver, you know, middle of the gate at this point for the Pacific Division. To finish her off, my pick for this week, the Colorado Avalanche over the Dallas Stars. My Dallas Stars. Your Dallas Stars. The the, the Dallas Stars. Should be a good, uh, exciting matchup. Five, 8 p.m. start. Um, 8 p.m. Central, 9 p.m. Eastern. Yep, thank you. Thank you. As, uh, as Ross is, is a guy from the East Coast, he's got to give... His Eastern, uh, Eastern. Well, I, mean, I think, I think, I think, in all in all scheduling, Eastern, yep. you need to provide. Eastern. No, without a doubt, without a doubt. Uh, two teams that uh, um, lie in the Central Division. Dallas starting off hot, jumping to the the early Central lead in that division, but uh, Colorado chasing them four points behind and and looking to build uh, build that's, that lead to two. That's a big time. That's a big time Central Division matchup there, yep. right? Uh, those are a couple of heavy hitters, and mm-hmm. you know I was talking about Bruins and Tampa and two teams that are where, where, where both teams want to go. They need to go through the other, yep. and I think the same is true for the Stars and the Avs. So that'll be a game that I'll have circled Saturday night uh, if I have a kind of a lame, lame, quiet uh, night in on Saturday. Well, that still remains to be seen. Yep. But uh, if that's the case, I'll I'll be tuned into that one for sure. And funny enough, I mean, the Stars do have the Jets tonight. Um, the Avalanche were supposed to be... Ooh, playing. Stars-Jets. That's the, the, the slap bet matchup. Yep. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Talking um, to you, Armour. Uh, <laughs> but, um, no, it, it, interesting enough, the Colorado's Avalanche game today was postponed. I do not know why. Yeah, that, that is strange. They were supposed to play the Predators, I think, in Should Nashville. Should we look that up and see why? I'm trying to find uh, the reason behind that right now. I'm not seeing it. Uh, quite yeah, but let's see. I feel like Elliot Friedman. Somebody this is bad, 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 bad form on air. But I, I, I saw that and I, I just, I, I overlooked it. Ah, water, main water break causes flooding in Bridgestone Arena. So wow. The uh, the Bridgestone was unable to perform in here Nashville, on Friday night. Geez. Tough look on the on, on the Predators. Home you know, it, home ha- it, it, it happens. It happens. It right? does happen. Was, yeah. it, was, was it un? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll 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 investigate. But maybe untimely cold and pipes froze or something. But. Uh, who knows? Um, interesting though. You don't see a lot of postponements now in the uh, post-COVID era. So, 
They have no decision on uh, Nashville's game on Saturday, but today's game has been postponed. So you got a fresh Avs team tomorrow. You got a fresh Avs team versus a Dallas team that's playing the the Jets, a team that another team that's actually performing well in the Central. Um, should be another exciting slate of our Saturday picks. We will have the results posted to the Instagram page on Sunday, um, and we'll see what the uh, the week's standings look like here early uh, in uh, this season of Saturday Saturday's picks. Um, Alex, we'll see if we're able to catch you. Maybe uh, maybe this week. Maybe it'll be another week. We'll see. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, that kind of wraps up this week's uh, slat shot episode. It, it's been another fun one, Ross. I know uh, we talked about maybe holding off till Alex gets back in uh, into the city, but honestly, I think this has been a great one, a really fun uh, fun episode. Hey, buddy, great job. Um, Hope our listeners enjoyed it. Without a doubt, quick uh, quick plugs to uh, Star Six Media. Go follow us at Star Six Media on the Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Twitch, all the social media platforms. We're on there. Go listen to the EAFP podcast, soccer podcast, breaking down the World Cup. Listen to the GC- JCA podcast, National Sports. Um, and the obvious sports trip, Big League Chicago, three up, three down. We'll have a little free agency breakdown for you coming soon. Ross, I know, bear with me. I got to do it. Go follow uh, the boys. Go follow Alex at Northside underscore socks. Go follow Ross at Rusty Pedroia. And then give me a follow at Siffy Man. Appreciate you guys tuning in. This episode will also be posted on YouTube as well. So our first video podcast. Um, we'll be out there here soon. We appreciate you guys listening. This will be posted later today. Um, but yeah, have a good one. Enjoy your uh, enjoy your weekend and happy Thanksgiving.